Thank you, Joe, and uh, what an incredible story. And um, I pray that we um, become part of the solution. And, uh, and, and that's what Greater Things Offering does, and uh, so much more than that. And uh, as we uh, uh, talk about getting back to the basics, and this is where kind of, you know, from Joe's story and what Greater Things is all about, part of the getting back to the basics of what a disciple is had to do with generosity. It's generosity. That being a disciple of Jesus, we are to lead with generosity. In fact, that's one of our core values. You see that in the hallway, out in the, in the, on the wall. Lead with generosity. Because of what Jesus did, we are to lead with irrational, out of this world, out of control generosity. We shock the world with generosity because Jesus shot the world with his generosity. And as followers of Christ, as disciples, this is one of our marks, that we get to do this. It may not be what everybody else does in this world, but we're to rise to a whole nother level as a disciple of Christ. It's what we do to be generous. Not just generous with money, but generous with our time, generous with what our possession, generous with our resources, our talents and gifts. We're generous with our life. Generous. I mean, I, lo I love what we just heard about Dominic and and uh, Christian. They, they just want to be generous of what they have and say, you know what? Let's take our children. Let's foster kids. Let them come. We can. We can use what we have for his glory. And that's what generosity is. We orient our life. We orient our life around this idea of doing what God did for us, we do for others. We become a conduit. A, a conduit of blessing to others. We're blessed to bless. We're blessed to bless. And here's the tension. Here's the challenge. And let, let's be honest. Most people I know, they want to be generous, but the reason they don't is because they don't feel like they can. They feel like they can. You know, if I were to ask the question, hey, who wants to be generous? I know everybody in this room is like, I want to do more. I want to give more. I want to do more. I don't know anybody who would say, no, not me. Because we, we all want to do that. And the reason we don't, give more or be generous in the way that we live is because we feel like we can't. We feel like we can't. There, there are two mindsets that I want to talk about. It's so important as we kind of talk about the foundation of this message. There are two mindsets because the generosity begins in the mind. There's the mindset of scarcity, scarcity mindset versus abundant mindset. Scarcity versus abundance. Let's talk about the two things real quick. So important. Scarcity it starts in a mind long before it plays out in the wallet. It, it, it means the belief, if you're taking note, the belief that there is not enough. That there's not enough. Prophet, the prophet Haggai, he writes this, and maybe you can relate. In, in chapter 1, verse 6, he said, You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. 
who can relate? I mean, I think all of us at some point in our lives, we can relate to something like that. We feel like we have, we earn that we put it in wallets or pocket with holes in it. We, we, might say, say, we might say, you know, I just cannot get ahead. Or we might sound like, we might say something like, you know, I wish I could give more, but I can't afford to. Or we can never get, um, we can, we're always behind. Or there's always more months left than money. And it's the scarcity mindset that we're living in, the belief that we don't have enough. And, and it's actually a cycle. It's not on your handout note. But it's a cycle. It begins with God's supplies. God supplies all of our needs. We believe that. He's the, he is the supplier. And so God supplies, and then here's the second part of the cycle. We consume. Okay, we consume it, and, 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 and sometimes we overconsume. And when we overconsume, the third part of that cycle is we begin to lack. You know, we, we begin to like, oh, man, I, I ran out of money. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then in the fourth cycle, fourth part of that cycle, is because we lack, and lack causes us to have this emotion, this dominant emotion of fear. And, and, and then because of fear, we look for ways to, to consume more, you know, and this is when we get in trouble. You know, this is where things get a little hairy. You, you open up a new credit card account, and, and you start putting yourself more in debt, and, and, and you find yourself more in the hole. And it's a bad cycle. It's all built on this fear. And to help you understand this, perhaps I can explain to you like this. How many of you remember not too long ago, five months ago, maybe it still happened, I don't know, I think it's controlled now, but five months ago, how many of you remember the toilet paper run of 2020? <laughs> Man, you think about it. You, you see the picture behind me? This person right here has a scarcity mindset. The belief that I may not have enough. I hope this person has enough. <laughs> you know? But there's a scarcity. And it's all built on this fear. Oh, no, I better get some. It's built on this fear. And we go, we overconsume because we have this belief of I don't have enough. Now, and here's the thing. As I think about this, and I'm a, I think I'm a smart guy. I think. I have a degree, you know, and all that. And I, and I still... I still do not fully understand how a respiratory virus, that's lungs, people, lungs. I, I still don't understand how a respiratory virus caused the greatest run on toilet paper in the planet history. <laughs> just don't get it. I just don't understand. And one day, history teachers, they're going to teach on the pandemic of 2020, and students, they're going to think about COVID-19 as the great deadly Diarrhea virus of 2020. That's what they're going to think about because of the toilet paper run. We went crazy. We emptied the shelves because of fear. And so you've got scarcity, the belief that there's not enough, that there's not enough. But then this is where God wants us to live. He wants all of us in this room, if you're a follower of Christ, not to live in a scarcity mindset, but to live in a mindset of abundance. Abundant mindset says this, the belief that there is more than enough. That's the abundant mindset. You believe that I have more than enough, that there is more where that comes from. You believe that. Scarcity mindset, it consumes with the question, what can I afford? 
What can I afford? An abundant mindset is consumed with the question, you know, what do I have? What do I have? The Apostle Paul, he writes this to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He said, now to him, he's talking about Jesus. He said, now to Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Listen, listen, listen to me. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, scarcity is a fiction. It's not rational. It's not rational at all because everything about your God and about the Holy Spirit that lives in you, it's exponentially more than enough. And if you live in contrary or contradiction to that thought, then you're out of step to the way that God wants you to live. He wants you to be in a mindset of abundant mindset. There's so many stories this year that illustrate this, this uh, abundant mindset. Uh, just one of them. I don't have time to tell a lot of them. But just one story here. You know, um, a few months ago, uh, one of our church members had called me up and said, hey, um, I'm, I'm getting a check from Uncle Sam, you know, the stimulus check. I'm getting a check in. You know, I, yeah, it's nice, it, it's cool, but I, I know there are families. I know there are families in our church that are struggling, they've lost their job. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to take my stimulus check in and, and give it to someone in need. And he began to ask me some questions who we could help with, and I gave him some names. And he says, God, thank you, and he did it. He actually did it. And some of you might say, well, of course, he probably loaded, and, and that's not true. He, he's a retired man on a fixed income. But he lived on the abundance of what he had. He looked at what he had and gave it. You see, abundance has nothing to do with watching your bank account. The abundant mindset has nothing to do with watching your bank account. It has everything to do with the guy that you serve and how you think. Bible says, and this is the words of Jesus, John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief, your enemy, by the way, he doesn't like you very much, and he doesn't like God very much either, all right, the thief, he said he comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. He wants you to be, live in a life of scarcity mindset. You got to hoard, 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 because if I don't, you know, you have this fear. He wants to build on that fear of hoarding and storing up for yourself. He said, Jesus said, I come that you may have life and have it abundantly. There you go. That, that's, what, that's where Jesus wants us to live. That is the life he created for you and I to live. And so how do we fight against this mindset, the scarcity mindset? How do we get out of that so that we can live an abundant mindset? And out of the abundant mindset, we can live a life of generosity, which is so essential to a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is so essential. And so we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament in 2 Kings. And God is going to show us how to fight against this mindset. Look at 2 Kings chapter 4. Here's our story. It's a great story. I love this story. Chapter 4, verse number 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revealed the Lord. But now his creditors is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? And then he didn't let her answer the question. He just went on and asked another question. He said, tell me, 
what do you have in your house? And this is a very important question. I want you to remember this. We're going to come back to this in just a few minutes. But she replied this. Your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. She said, I've got nothing at all except I have a little jar of olive oil. And God's about to do a miracle out of something that seems like nothing. It's about to show up. Now, we got to understand the context of what's going on in this story. First of all, the, the time period, the king of Israel is a, is a pagan king who, who is so far from God, who has led the Israelites, who was once a, a, a kingdom and a follower of Jesus Christ. He's led the Israelites to worship so many pagan gods. And, and, and so this lady right here, she, she's one of the very few faithful ones who is serving Jesus during a time, during a very dark period of time in the Israelite history. And so he, 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 this woman, he's like, you know, go to, to the prophet and say, hey, listen, you know, my husband who worked for you, he was your servant, you know, who loved the Lord, he revered the Lord, he's, he's dead. And she's basically saying, listen, I'm one of the few left, one of the few faithful people left in the kingdom. I've remained faithful to God. I've been good to God. Our family has sacrificed so much, and yet my back is against the wall. My back is against, I mean, I feel like I'm in a corner. I, I don't understand it. If I feel like, uh, you know, God has forgotten about me. And I can almost sense, you can almost sense that she's kind of arguing with God. Maybe she's kind of upset with God here because she says, you know, you know we, we have done everything God you have told us to do. And now my kids are going to be gone because my husband's dead. They're about, to, they're about to take him away at any moment. Someone's going to knock on my doors, ask me to pay up. I'm not going to have anything to pay. I'm not going to have the money to pay what, I, what we owe. They're going to take my kids away and going to be slaves. And under Mosaic law, to settle a debt, this is what we do. If you couldn't pay, then they would take your family and you become slave in that system. And, and, and so this woman, she's scared, right? She, she's desperate. And perhaps you find yourself in that place today. Or maybe in some place down the road here, you're going to find yourself in a similar place. And I hope you'll discover three principles of God's provision out of this miraculous story, how we can move from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. Because it's all about right now. This lady is living in a scarcity mindset. And fear propels that mindset. So three provisions to help us here this morning, number one, don't diminish what you have. Don't diminish, if you're taking note, don't diminish what you have. Bible says in verse number two, it says your servant has nothing at all except a small jar of olive oil. A small jar of olive oil. She actually had something, but it was so incredible, incredibly smart to her that in her mind, in her words, she thought she had nothing. She had nothing. And what we need to understand is that in this principle is that we are not to diminish what you have, what I have. Because what you have isn't nothing. Because in the hands of God, with the blessings of God, your nothing can be something. Your nothing is something. Don't diminish what you have. We, we look at the dialogue, it's a conversation and a story. You know, we already see scarcity and abundance mindset going on. 
you know, the, 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 the prophet, he said, what do you have in the house? You know, an abundant, an abundant mindset asks the question, what do you have already? What do you own? And at the same time, scarcity is fit on what you don't have. She thinks she got nothing. And some of you right now, you're thinking, man, I, I don't have nothing. Well, yes, we do have something. And so many of us were blessed. We, we have lost track of the blessings of God in our lives. The old hymn song that I, used to, that I grew up singing was Count Your Blessings. Name them one by one. And for most of us here, there is more good and more resource in your life than you can give yourself credit for. You're blessed. If you've never gone on a mission trip in a third world country, you're missing, you, you should, by the way. You should because you'll come back and like, wow, I am really blessed. You might think, man, I don't have much, but man, I'm blessed. I've got a roof over my head. I, I have a car. I mean, I can turn on the AC during the summertime. You know, I, I can turn the heat on during the wintertime. Uh, we don't think about the blessings we have because you can go anywhere else in this world, in a third world country, they would love to have what you have. We're blessed. And so we got to stop diminishing what you have. And I promise you, listen to this, listen to this. I've been in the place in a third world country and I feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for the people that are living in homes and they're so poor and dirt floor. And you want to do something for them. And you know what they want to do? They don't want it. They'd be like, hey, we're blessed. We're alive. I said, well, I don't feel bad. You don't have carpet. I said, okay. And if you give them money, you know what they do with the money? They give it to somebody else that they know that they need it more than they do. And I'm just blown away by that. It, it is convicting. And I'm like, why, wow, God, we are blessed. Don't, don't diminish what you have. Don't diminish. Here's the second provision principle here. Second principle of God of provision is that God often does the extravagant through what seems insignificant. God often does the larger than life through things that seems so small. You know, if, if a farmer always diminished the insignificance of a tiny seed, if he's always diminishing that, he would never take a step forward and plant it and see a harvest. He would totally miss out the power of a tiny seed. But a farmer, he doesn't do that. He views the seed through what it will create when it's planted. He, he plants the seed in faith, knowing that God will do the exponential. That God will take that little, little tiny seed and do something with it. And so here's this lady, this widow lady. She's in her home. She, she, she's diminishing what she has. She said, I've got nothing except I have a small jar of oil. And she's talking to the prophet. And she said, I don't know what to do. They're coming for my boys. And so Elijah said this in verse number three. He said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. For empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. He said, get as many empty jars that you can get. You see, the prophet knows that God's about to do something incredible here. 
And notice what happened in verse number four. And then he said, go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, and I want you to pour the oil into all the jars. Now, you should fill it up. I want you to put it to the side. All right, so he gives him the direction. You're going to go get jars. You're going to collect all the jars. You're going to bring them in your house. You're going to shut the doors. And you're going to take your little bit of oil. And you're going to start pouring your little bit of oil in the numbers of jars in that little room of yours. And, and, and this is incredible to me because in verse 5, she left him and shut the door behind her and her son. They brought the jars. To me, this is an incredible amount of faith. Because at this point, I would have been like, Elisha sounds great, but that, that sounds about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I know how much oil I've got. It's this much. And you want me to go out and waste time to find jars where I could probably do something to, to make a little money. I'm going to go. You want me to waste my time to find empty jars, and I'm going to Fill it with my little oil. Come on. That's the math, the math doesn't add up. And, and, and that's where I would be. And, and this lady right here took the faith step to go out and get jobs. Now, she probably might be in the back of her mind and says, oh, this sounds like really crazy, but okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And listen, when you have faith, it sometimes sounds a little crazy. The math doesn't add up when you have faith. But you do it anyway, and she did it. And the Bible said that they brought the job through, and she started to pour. And see, God often does the extravagant through things that seem unlikely, through the small insignificant. And see, God does that. God likes to blow our mind so that we give him the credit. That's why he does these insignificant things and, and, and turns it around upside down and, and wasn't blown away by it. You see, the Bible doesn't say if you have the faith the size of a galaxy that you can move this mountain. He said that you have the faith of a tiny little mustard seed and God can move mountains on your behalf. So, when I was, uh, I think about this little phrase, because God always takes the small and, and turns it around and make it magnificent. I think of this phrase, that little is much when God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. That's the second principle of provision. Here's the third one, and we'll be finished. The third principle is this, that God's abundance oftentimes follows faith. It often follows your faith. And so here she is. She got all the empty jars in her room. And she starts taking this little jug of oil. And she starts pouring. And then she kept pouring. And she kept flowing out of her little jar. She, take, she sees that the first jar is being filled up to the brim and she stops. She puts it to the side and says, boys, give me another jar. And, and the boys give her another jar. And she pours it. And she keeps pouring. They keep pouring. She lifts it up after it falls. She says, give me another one. She keeps doing this over and over and over again. And she kept filling out the jars. And in verse number six, when all the jars were full, 
she said to her son, bring me another one. I mean, by this time, I, I think the Bible, you know, translation do a little injustice. Uh, it's, it's a bring me another one, period. Bring me another one, guys. You know, it's so cool. We've already done 20 jobs. Now, to me, there's an exclamation point missing here. I mean, at this point, it's like, hey, 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 bring me another job. This is so cool. I mean, bring it to me. And the boy's like, Mom, that's it. That's it. And know what's going to happen. The boy said, there's nothing not left. And the oil stopped flowing. And so she went and told the man of God. And he said, now go sell the oil and pay your debt. You and your son can now live on what's left. You see, we tend to get this backwards. We oftentimes get this backwards. You, you want to be generous. You want to give out. You want to live this life of generosity. And so we have this attitude and we say, God, you know, I want to be a giver. I want to give more. I want to be generous. And uh, so, God, I make a deal with you. If, if you. if you give me more, I will give more. And God's like, you know, I would love to do that, but first I want you to have the faith the poor. I want you to have the faith the poor because my abundance follows after a heart of faith. That is the way God works. He wants you to take the step. When the Israelites were crossing into the promised land after they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, God said, hey, when you step into the water, then the Jordan River was split in two. But I want you to take a step of faith. You see, when it comes to giving and generosity, it's a faith issue. And Jesus said, listen, I want you to give more, but I want you to act out first. But God, you know, if you give me more, I'll start giving more. You see, when you start to put God first, you start living out of the abundance that he's given you already. When you start to look at what you have in your job and that you realize that it's something rather than nothing, it becomes a battle between two ideas. You know, some of you say, you know, I, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop giving. I'm going to stop pouring. Whoop! <laughs> a little tip. They give a little tip. The preaching was okay today, you know. The preaching was, you know, $25 worth. Whoop! You know. <laughs> oh, 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 hey, the, the worship was on fire today. I got about five goosebumps, five times ten. That's about $50. Whoop! But, you know, the rest is mine. And then instead of doing what God wants to do, we begin to store it. We begin to hoard. You ever watch the show Hoarder? I, I never watched the full show because it's ridiculous. You know? But you're flipping through and this little show called Hoarder, and then you see the family coming in and, and you walk into a house, and it's full of junk. You can't walk anywhere in the house without touching something, and it's piled up. And you're afraid that if you touch something, it might tumble over and you mess up the whole thing. You know, and the, and the person that's living there said, man, I don't have enough. And the person's like, no, you got to get rid of all this stuff. And so, no, 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 oh, this is mine. And he said, do you even know what you have? And, and, and surprisingly, the hoarders, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I know what I got. And back in this little far corner over here, about two-thirds way down in the pile, it's my little favorite book, you know. And we're going to hoard. And on our spiritual life, some of us are hoarders. And as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we're to live our life like this. Okay, God, I want to have the faith to pour and not to store. Some of us say, man, I, I can't do it. I can't afford to do it, God. I can't afford to live this way. My friend, you can't afford not to. 
Here's a statement. This is so powerful to me. Here's a statement. You can take this in your notes. I want to challenge you to have the faith to pour because you belong to the God of more. And I'll preach all day. Have the faith to pour because you belong to the God of more. When you give to God, you're stepping out in faith. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. We've heard this before. It's a, the Bible said, bring the whole tithe. The word tithe is a tenth. You know, to give a 10% of your income into the storehouse. The storehouse is the Old Testament word for tabernacle. The old, it's the Old Testament word for church. It said, so that there may be food in my house. And I said, well, God, you, do we need some food? No, but we need spiritual food. And if you look around, you see spiritual food at Lake Point Church. Walk around and help your kids, and you see kids growing up in the Lord. You, you see life being changed. We've seen discipleship happening. We've seen people taking next step in baptism. We've seen people growing in their walk with Jesus Christ. My friend, that's food. And, and, and so when we, when we pour out to God, when we bring it to him, by the way, he's only asking for a tenth. not asking for you to, you know, he wants the heart of willingness to do whatever you want, but he says, hey, give. And notice what he says here. He said, test me in this. You know, there's another verse in the Bible that said, don't test the Lord your God. You shouldn't do that. Except right here. He said, I want you to test me. I want you to challenge me in this area. He said, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. By the way, the floodgates of heaven. Notice he didn't say floodgates of Watering. That's not what it says here. It doesn't mean the floodgates of the winning lottery ticket. That's not what it means. The floodgates of heaven is something that's far more better than material possession that he can bless you with. It can't be that, but man, it's so much richer. To live a life of joy and, and confidence of who God is and who we are as disciples of Jesus Christ. That, man, we are blessed. The Bible says that when we are a blessing to others, that we, we become blessed. That, we, that God loves a cheerful giver. When we are giving of our generosity, he, we feel that inside. Man, every time I'm stuck spirituality in my life, when I'm stuck spiritual in my life, the best thing for me to snap out of it is to get my mind off of myself and look how I can give to others. Of my time, of my resources, I give of myself. And every time it cracks the code of materialism and greed in my life. It breaks that hoarded mindset. I'm almost done here. I know, believe me, I'm almost done. This isn't a message about about late point church needing your money. Because here's the fact, we don't need your money. God will take care of late point church with or without your money. He always has been and always will. This is a message because I want you to, so, so many of you are missing out. You're missing out on what God wants to do in your life. And I want you to have the faith, the poor, and the trust in the God of more for you. So what are some next steps? Let me, let me give you a couple quick next steps. First of all, be a percentage giver. 
Start somewhere. Be a percentage giver. Be consistent. You got a plan to give, by the way. It's in our budget. And it's not our leftovers, by the way. It's the first thing we do. We we solidify, this is what we're going to do for this month, for this paycheck. And we're faithful to it. Because we just believe to have the faith, the poor, because we belong to the God of more. God will supply, he will take care of all of our needs. And so be a percentage giver. By the way, every time we get a payroll, and I don't get a payroll, a paycheck. I don't get a paycheck every, a pay raise. I get a paycheck every, I hope I get a paycheck. Um, you know. But every time I get a pay raise, I'm like, I evaluate my percentage. And sometimes I increase my percentage. I say, God, I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more. It may not be, you know, I'm not, we're not talking about increment, you know, bid numbers. I'm not saying I went from a 10% to 13%. It might be 10% to 10.5%. And then the following year, or, or two years later, I get another raise. And you know what? We're going to do 11%. And, and, and that's what we do. Challenge you to be a percentage giver and be faithful to it. Here's another, here's another thing that you could do. Here's another next step. It, it, it be a spontaneous giver. You see a need, meet a need. This is where the Holy Spirit might be saying, hey, you see that stranger? He, need, he needs your $20. You know, hey, you see the family member that's struggling? Help them out. Help, help them out. Or, or maybe it's uh, someone in the church. Hey, they're going through a hard time. Why don't you make a meal for them or buy a meal for them or pay their bills? That, 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 hey, I'm, I'm available. And listen, we create room in our budget for spontaneous giving. We just have it. Because we just want to be generous in the way that we live. We just plan for it. We don't know how it's going to go every month, but we just plan to give it somehow, some way. And we're prepared to do it. Um, we, we, we've got uh, you know, spontaneous giving. We've got percentage giving. Here's the third way you can give. Uh, and this is a big challenge for a lot of us. Kingdom giving. This is where you give out of sacrifice of your heart. You know, greater things offering. You know, every year my check that I write for Greater Things Offering, it's different. You know, it's different. You know, some years might be less, some years might be more. This year, you know, I recently refinanced our house. I didn't know I was going to get any money at closing. You know, and I'm like, all right, you know. And, and I'm really excited because I'm like, you know what, God? What I have, I'm not going to diminish what I have. I'm able to do something a little extra than I normally do. And we plan to do that. We plan to do that. And, and so that, that's kingdom giving. Uh, Operation Christmas Child is coming up. In a few weeks, you'll start getting these boxes. And, and you'll start taking care of uh, Operation Christmas Child. And you'll be looking for these in the, in the lobby. Thanksgiving meal, Thanksgiving dinner, that's coming up. Last year, Mount Clemens was fed 275 families. This year, This year, I'm praying for a thousand families. You say, that's crazy, Scott, I know. We started a little bit early. I called about five or six churches. I said, you know what? Let's do something together. Had a meeting with them this past week. I bought their lunch. I said, hey, we're going to buy your lunch. I'm going to cast a vision about Mount Clemens. I believe we're going to do it. Late Point Church will lead the way, like we always do. And we're going to have four or five, six other churches. They're jumping on board. And about a month, we're stuck collecting food. We, we got a nonprofit in Pontiac. 
that called us up and said, hey, listen, um, we love what you're doing in Mount Clemens. We want to do a match up to $4,000. So Lake Point Church, we raised $4,000. Guess what? It's match at $4,000. And this was a call out of the blue. This is a call where, okay, God, we want to pour. And God said, hey, keep pouring, baby, because I've got more coming. Can you say baby in church? Uh, I just did. <laughs> Woo. Every time you pour, every time I pour, I want to think about what God wants to do in my life. And I think about the song we just sang. All my life, God, you've been faithful. All my life, you've been so good. With every breath that I have, I'm going to sing about the goodness of God. Have the faith to pour because we belong to the God of more. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you to help us today to be challenged, whatever that might be, to move from a scarcity mindset to an abundant mindset. And God, we do this. We live in this life because of your generosity. Because you gave your life, you died on a cross for our sins so that we can have life and we can live it more abundantly for your glory. Help us as you bless us to bless others. We sing to you the goodness of God in our life. Help us in here to take a next step, whatever that might be. Help us to have faith to pour because we belong to the God of more. In Jesus' name, amen.